Hello, this is Erin Weir. The journey to being a successful creative entrepreneur is filled with challenges, hard work, and occasional high points. You have the opportunity to minimize the challenges and hard work by learning from experts, mentors, and leaders that have traveled the same road before you. The Creative Genius Podcast celebrates you and your hard work and helps you shortcut the path to profit and renewed passion. Enjoy this episode with my co-host, Gail Dobie of Gail Dobie Coaching and Consulting. We are excited to have Kim Raymond with us today. Kim founded her namesake firm in 1992 and has been practicing architecture, interior architecture, interior design, land planning, and historic preservation in Aspen ever since. She's passionate about her design work, always pushing for the best solutions and newest ideas and technology. Kim looks at architecture as a very personal service because the built environment has such an impact on our everyday lives. Kim, I'm so excited to have you on our podcast. And, you know, it's been such a pleasure working with you over the years. And I just want you to share with people how you became an architect. Um, well, thanks, Gail. I have so enjoyed working with you and Aaron and your whole team, your growing team. It's, it's been so much for me. I think when I met you, I was still looking at my business as a job and I wasn't really working on a business. But the way I got here was I didn't end up going to college, so I took a, went to trade school to learn drafting by hand. It was a long time ago. And from there, I started working as a drafting person for mostly architects and a couple of interior designers. And then years into it, I decided that I should take my test. And I lived in a place in Colorado where you can actually, with enough hours of experience, you can just take the test. So I taught myself architecture, and then I took the test. And then I started teaching myself all the CAD programs and kind of just stumbled into starting a business and I did that so I could do a couple of projects and then travel and then come back and do a project so I didn't take it super serious for a long time but now here I am and after working with you for three years it's made such a huge difference because now I think of myself as a businesswoman not an architect isn't that interesting it was amazing yeah yeah that's such a key point Well, I remember a couple of years ago, you and I did a second VIP day and I'll never forget that day because people can't see this, but you did the the hand wave over your head and you said, numbers just go right over my head. And she said, my my eyes glaze over, I just don't get them. And so how do you feel about that now? Oh, I tell you, it's, I mean, that day when the kind of the penny dropped, it made such a big difference. And I've continued to learn and study and try to get better and better at it. I still have a ways to go, but I'm not afraid of it. And I don't glaze over anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, I've figured out how to use it as a tool to see where I'm going with the business, to predict what's going to happen if I need to hire more people or not. And then having a part-time CFO has just been amazing. And then it makes also, it makes such a big difference because then he, that kind of takes the, the fear out of it. That's what kind of helped me get over it. But you taught me how to read the financials and he was like, here they are. And this is, this is how you should kind of interpret what's going on. And um, it's, it's made a big difference. And then working with the accountant that you recommended, Phil and Paul, those guys are amazing mm-hmm. in helping, helping me keep things going. So, yeah. yeah, thank you for that. Oh, absolutely. Well, the goal for us is to help you make a lot of money. (laughs) (laughs) It's helping. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's the purpose because uh, why else do this? Because you are in the business to make money. You're not yeah. here to lose money, right? <laughs> right, right. Well, the I longest time I thought I was, oh, go ahead, Erin. Oh, I was just going to say, I think it's always interesting as we, we always do that financial section on every single retreat and we plan it in the morning so people aren't too, too tired. And it's always so interesting to see the light bulbs going off. And something that I don't think people actually realize that are sitting in the retreat is many times I'm asking Jen on our team for those same documents so that I can go through the exercise as well, because I'm trying to learn all of the financial pieces that Gail's so good at as well. And it's, it's so helpful when you finally have an understanding. It's, it's almost like a sense mm-hmm. of control when you have an understanding of the financials and it's and how very you empowering. Yes. It's very empowering. <laughs> and so I think it's awesome that Gail harps on it so much for all of us, because I think as creative minds, that's not our forte, typically not where we want to go, but it's so critical. It's yeah. so critical. Well, I'm just proud of you for all the years that you've devoted to um, to doing this and to learning it. And now that you've got it, I just see that confidence in you that you didn't have a few years ago. It's changed, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I have big plans for this year and the next year. Well, tell super us about excited. it. I want to hear all about it. Super excited. So I, I shared in our, I think with the boardroom gals that I, I took my light commercial contractor's license test. And I got that and I had the opportunity just to read, to build a little condo with a client. And he goes, well, if you're going to start building, we need to get you some more projects. So he's closing on a $4 million house this week for us to remodel and do a major project on, um, wow. or I'll be the contractor also. Wow. But in the meantime, I've already got four other construction projects that are smaller. I'm trying, I just want to go slow and start kind of building the, the construction side. But I, I mean, there's so much work up here. It's crazy. And it's like, well, I might as well just step in. The developer I worked for a long time ago, or I've been working for for a long time. He said quite a long time ago, you should just build this. You're smarter than all the contractors. Because whenever they have a question, who do they ask? They come yeah. to the architect. Yeah. And then, so since I've been doing the interiors too, it just kind of made sense to start doing all of it. And now I'm finally have the capacity that the stars aligned, I guess. We're, we're diving in. Um, I'm getting the staff pulled together to do the construction side and it's kind of scary but super exciting because our team's wanted to do it for a long time mm-hmm. and then we yes. have some other great projects this year's coming together we already have last year was a tough one for me for lots of reasons beyond covid but we're not going to go there we're going to stay positive <laughs> um but this year's already pulling together to be so much better mm-hmm. just right. for the work that we have the projects that are super exciting my team's just like stepping up and doing such an awesome job we hired a new architect a few months ago. We have a new designer starting at the end of the month. Yeah, it's going good. It's exciting. Well, it's really crazy because I remember also conversations we had where you were struggling with managing team. That was not an easy thing for you, hiring and Mm-mm. figuring out how to compensate and figuring out what to do in terms mm-hmm. of the overall structure of your company. And I still struggle and wonder, but it's like I'm not afraid anymore. Mm-hmm. Who what do you think was, was a big change about that? What was the shift for you? I think part of it was feeling more comfortable with the whole financial thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think part of it was just some of the things I've learned about working on the business, not just being in the business, because it's very comfortable comfortable for me to mm-hmm. just be in. Like, okay, I'll just draw those pictures. I'll just do this. And I, I enjoy it. So it's hard for me to pull away from that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but we've just been, I think I've been making strides and pulling away from that and doing more of the business side. And I think with all the books we got started reading with the AMP program, um, and because of Audible, I've gone through like 85 books since last February. Wow. And wow. I remember when he said, here's 12 books you have to read in six months. I was like, oh my God, that's never going to happen. <laughs> and then I shifted my mindset and I started listening. And one of the things I learned from Darren Hardy is to do things more than one thing at a time. So if I can hike up the mountain and listen to a book at the same time, then you can get two things done at once. And that's how I do it. And it just, it's like a meditative state when I'm just skinning up the mountain early in the morning and I take notes on my phone if it's stuff in the book I really want to listen to or remember. So I can just take notes. I just toggle back and forth between the two apps and it's been just phenomenal. So it's really boosted my confidence, my, my knowledge base. And one thing he said was everything you want on the other side of fear. Mm-hmm. You just got to step into it. And then yeah. the other thing he said right after that is 99% of the fear is in your head. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, well, and I'll just go ahead and insert a note here that when you say hiking up a mountain, you're not kidding. Like you literally every day are hiking up a mountain. (laughs) Most most mornings I have skis on my feet with skins and I go up 3,200 vertical feet. I love it. Well, I'm always amazed on hearing uh, what you're doing athletically and on the mountainside and, and honestly, completely jealous of it because I'd love to be able to start my mountain, my mornings the same way. Um, so let's talk about a little bit um, about one of the biggest challenges that you've overcome. Um, about eight years ago, nine years ago, I bought this little condo in, in town and didn't realize it was completely consumed with mold. And the process of figuring that out, having health problems and losing everything I owned because it was also infested with mold, all the money, it was like my life savings. I bought this little condo and then we had to literally throw all of it in the dumpster. Every stud, every, I mean, you walk to the top of the stairs and there was air and I had to just start over and I was sleeping on somebody's sofa in the back of their office and just kind of scrambling. And then it, and it all worked out. It's like, one of the things that we learned in one of the classes is you have to look at things and ask, why did that happen for me instead of to me? Right. And having that mindset made it, I mean, at the moment it was such a struggle and it was hard. And I had to just, I had to rebuild with just cash I was making. And that happened of course, right when the market crashed in 2008. Mm. Um, so it was a struggle, but I think what that did for me is besides giving me an amazing place to live, that's, it was triple the size when I was done and this beautiful spot it gave me confidence that I can go forward and do stuff that I can face whatever life is going to throw at me. I just need to put my head down and I can do it. And if I needed to learn something, there's resources and you just learn it and you do it. And I think, I mean, that's when I got my contractor's license the first time I was like, well, I have to build myself a place to live. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that'll do it. (laughs) And so I, and like with the whole architectural thing, I had to learn how to do architecture and then I had to learn the software. But I think that was the big, one of the biggest struggles. That was really tough because I didn't have any support from anybody and it was just like doing that. But it's turned out really great looking back at it. It's an amazing life lesson. Well, you're such a strong person and you've just, I, I'm just so amazed by you. Just the fact that you decided to learn how to draft and then you went and taught yourself everything to become an architect. And I know that was something that I I said to you at the very beginning. It's like, wow, (laughs) there are people who who go to architecture school 
and they cannot pass that exam. And you did. So, wow. (laughs) Yeah, that was a huge feather when I, in my cap, when I got that, I remember going to the uh, post office and I used to get my mail at the post office and you take the last test and it's months before you get your results. And then finally I'm in there, I thought I was in there all by myself. And I, I opened the mailbox and I see this letter from the Dora and I was afraid to open it. So I finally opened it as I pulled the letter out of the envelope. The first word I saw in big, bold letters was congratulations. And I just like, Yahoo, I like was hooping and hollering in that post office. I thought by myself, some guy walks around the corner and goes, oh, it must be big. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was big. But it's a, um, and that helped because when I, I started my business without a license and I was afraid to even, I, that really, I needed the confidence thing because people like, well, where'd you go to school? I didn't taught myself. And then for the longest time, I was afraid to say that. And now it's very easy for me to go. I took the Renaissance route. I taught myself. Here's my portfolio. So it's been, yeah. it's been amazing. And, you're and then doing- just learning the interior stuff. It's like, I just got mad at a developer and walked in very indignant and said, oh, I'm doing it now. And he goes, I don't care. <laughs> and I was like, great. And I walked out the door going, Oh no, I know nothing, nothing about furniture. I still called sofas, couches and curtains. And I mean, I had, we didn't have any of the right vernacular. We, Patricia and I just jumped in. So I love that. Well, your courage is just so inspiring. I think it's awesome. It might be stubborn, Miss Gail. <laughs> no, I'm giving it courage. I like that. I'll, I'll go with that. I'll take yeah, that. Let's go with that. So if you had a chance for a do-over, what would that be? I would have started taking my business more serious a long time ago not just looked at it as a job. I would have, I mean, if I had started working on having a business with someone like you, when I started this 28 years ago, I'd be retired or I would be in a place where I could just work if I wanted to, or, you know, I would be in a much different place. Not that I'm complaining because I had a great life. I was traveling all over the world. I'd work for a little while and go guide a trip in Nepal and but I would have, I would have taken the business side of my, my chosen line of work more seriously. Yeah, I think that um, that's a good point that a lot of people don't necessarily treat it like the business that it is. And the fact that you switched your thinking from being an architect to being a business owner who happens to do architecture mm-hmm. is um, so important because that that's your purpose. It's great to have that skill and that beautiful talent, but if you can't make money at it, then is mm-hmm. it really what you want to do? Yeah. And I think I struggled with that for a long time because I worked yeah. on the ski patrol for a long time and I worked the international guide taking people places. And that's where my heart is in the mountains in Nepal or the mountains around here, taking people climbing and being outside and active. But my brain was like, you need to do more than that. And I love design. And I realized as I got further and further into the architectural and design world that I am good at it and I love it. So kind of pulling those two things together was a, was a struggle for a while but it seems to have worked out pretty well. Mm-hmm. Who inspires you the most? In architecture? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think um, probably Zaha Hadid. Amazing. She was such a trailblazer, mm-hmm. strong woman, crazy creative. I mean, her, her architecture, because most of it's such huge scale, it's so beyond what I do. And it's probably not what I would, I mean, it's so different than what I ever think of, but it's so beautiful. And she was so, it's so unique. She was a strong woman building this cr- crazy successful international business. And I've been trying to find a book on her 
uh, her biography. I can't find one. Mm. So I've just been kind of reading bits about her and stuff, but the world lost an amazing creative when we lost Saha today. She was amazing. Yeah. I love her work. Yeah. It's, it's inspiring. And just the way she stood up to all the different, I mean, it's such a male dominant field architecture and she was right there trailblazing. Well, you are too. So. Yeah, you, <laughs> you're totally you are. shadow. <laughs> <laughs> you're trailblazing. And I, I think that's something to be very proud of because that's not common. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Not that many. Mm-hmm. There seems to be more, which is nice. There's more and more women getting into architecture, which true, is great. But the percentage is still very, very Tiny. small. So small. Yeah. So what's your big yeah. vision? Um, so building up the whole design build side is big. Mm-hmm. Um, super excited about that. And just creating a, a culture for myself and my team that everybody's super excited about working, about their own purpose. We have meetings now every week where we talk about goals and if they were achieved or not, what the goals are for the week. And then at the end of the week, we achieve them on personal levels and professional. Three of my architects, they're actually not, Patricia's licensed in Guatemala but she's getting her license in the state. So she has to take the test again. And the other two are um, Milo and Garrett have gotten all their hours. So they're starting to take the test. So I'm trying to encourage them to set up schedules to study and encourage that and foster growth for all of us. And same thing with the new gal that's starting. And I just want to set it up. So everybody has feels like they have a purpose and they're doing, um, they feel real integral to the, the whole process of what we do here and excited about it. And so they all, we, I want them to make a great living. I want them to be able to have a great life too. So that's what I'm trying to create here for them. Mm-hmm. And then with the whole design thing, I just think it's kind of the next step since I've built two of my own places and there's just such a need for contractors in this valley. So it kind of just seemed like, and more and more people are open to having a design build instead of an architect and a builder. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of that vision. And I would like to start getting, spending more time. I mean, I've been learning a lot about the neuroscience of architecture and this kind of more, I don't say spiritual, because that sounds so new age touchy-feely, but <laughs> the way your brain works and how it perceives architecture and that whole science of flow and being able to tap into your brain to really be super creative and then help other people learn how to do that, that's what I'm super fired up about right now. Mm-hmm. So maybe creating that. like a wellness center, like it would be kind of like a spa, but you could get that kind of stuff too, but you'd also be there to learn and grow and learn how to be in flow and use your mind to really make your life a better place. And that, I mean, if enough people can start doing that, the whole planet's going to start evolving. Mm-hmm. And I think we're kind of on the cusp of that. And it's, it's also scientifically based. And I'm just, I've been studying and reading so much about that lately. And it's mm-hmm. Fascinating to me. <laughs> <laughs> so the beginning of the call, you talked about AMP 10X, which is by Ben Hardy. And that's a program that you've been doing with me and uh, with some of the other people that are in our groups in the past. And, mm-hmm. um, and I know that was a, a big shift for you to start reading and studying the way you've been doing. So mm-hmm. what have you changed in your life since then? I think I really took to heart some of the things that Ben got us started doing. It wasn't just the reading part, but so much as like really having a great morning routine and setting mm-hmm. that up. Like getting up early, I, I get up at 4.45 most mornings now. So I can do my meditation, write in my journal, which he really encourages you to do. I think I've only missed two days since I started. Wow. February 11th um, last year. 
and it's just been a kind of a great sanity saver for me. But and then I actually read a book from Jim Rohn, who is another great mentor to successful people. And he wrote a book on how do you actually use your journal? And one of the best tips in there is when you're writing your journal and you're like taking notes during the day of either things that are poignant for you, things that you've learned and you'd like to find again, have an index in the back and write in the back. Ben Hardy told me this on this day. And then you can put in the back amp 10 X page 22. And then that way you can go back and find stuff. And to me, that's such, that was such an eye opener because you write, fill all these um, little journals with all this beautiful wisdom. And it's like, well, how do I ever find it again? So I thought that was an, that was great um and then so i and then the bj fog book tiny habits so i now i just set it up so my cue of doing my sit-ups and stuff like that is i meditate i write in my journal i roll over and start doing like my sit-ups and stuff and then i go downstairs and i do an hour and a half of work before i go march up the hill so i have that hour and a half block of uninterrupted time and it's been a life changer as far as productivity Mm mm-hmm then I get my exercise, I do my sanity saver by walking up the hill, and that's when I listen to a book. And that's just been such an amazing routine because it just gets my mind in the right set. Being outside, getting exercise is another thing they really encourage. Then when I get to the office, I can be more present with my team, and I try to have at least one more hour and a half block of just uninterrupted time, which I struggle with that because I don't always get that. And now my struggle is trying to make sure I go home by 6.30 so I go to bed early. <laughs> but yeah, it's yeah, hard. It's been amazing. Yeah. It's hard to fit it all in and just keep doing it. Yeah. I saw a little graphic the other day on Instagram about what it looks like to like, what kind of time you get for your life. If you start your day at four 30 or even mm-hmm. five for that matter. And mm-hmm. you know, how much more people are able to exercise and just how it had totaled up, like just having that extra hour, hour and a half every single day for yourself, like adds up to, you know, months of time by the end of the year. So in years of time over your life. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. And it's just so, it's such a, such a great time. I love it. And then in the evening, I try to make sure I'm all set for the next day. I write in my calendar. I don't leave empty spots in my calendar anymore. I just fill up the whole calendar and then I give myself a task list. And my goal is to get through the whole task list. Which and is how many tasks are on your list a day? I'm just always curious. <laughs> well, they, it's funny because in that latest book I just read by Stephen Kotler, um, The Art of Impossible, he's like, figure it out. Take enough time to figure out how many things you can actually get done every day. And then maybe put one extra. But the biggest thing is, so maybe it's five, maybe it's 10, maybe it's seven. You just have to kind of figure that out. But you don't want to keep every day going, oh, I didn't get through my list because that's not empowering. And then you just kind of keep rolling things over. But the other thing he said is you have to keep your word to yourself. And if you say you're going to get six things done, don't go to bed till you get them done. So that's my new goal and my new strategy, trying to make, make that happen. I'm up to like five things that I can get done on a kind of consistent basis. I get all excited and put 10 things on my list. I can stop doing that. <laughs> You know, even today I was looking at my list and, you know, we've just been on like meeting to meeting to meeting today and it's been really fun. But, um, I finally, at one point today, I looked at my list and I was, I was like, it, anyway. that is why we were given tomorrow. Right. Right. That's why yeah. we're given tomorrow is because we're not supposed to get everything done in one day. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's so, so hard. I, I really just wish one time I could finish everything on my list. <laughs> I know me too. I just feel like I've been ke- trying to catch up for years. <laughs> well, I think it's just meant to be 
that challenge that um, helps us understand what our limitations are, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think I think that giving yourself that challenge of having a list and a big vision, it keeps you going forward. It keeps your curiosity and your passion going. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So what's next on your travel agenda once you get to travel again? Well, I don't know. I mean, I have the retreat coming up. That'll be good. But like yeah. just non-work related travel, I don't have any plans right now. I, the one client I have, he's leaving at the end of this month to go back to Nepal to climb. He's like near, not near. Um, I'm like, dude, I want to go. He goes, come on the next one. Maybe I'll get to go climb a huge peak. Probably not this coming fall because I have too much going on. But if I plan it right, maybe I could go a year from now. And that would be huge. Because that's been on a bucket list for me for decades to go climb one of the major peaks in Nepal. Wow. That would be very very one to go with. Yeah. Would you do Kilimanjaro? Um, I did not Kenya already. Okay. Um, so that was awesome. Kilimanjaro is not much of a technical climb, so I probably wouldn't do that one. Mm-hmm. But I would probably go back to Nepal and try to climb one of the seven or 8,000 meter peaks over there. Mm. So I've got to 23,000 feet back in the day when I was guiding and just climbing over there. But I haven't done any of the major peaks. 8,000 meter peaks. But just so. for my knowledge, when you, when you say, like, when you're talking about climbing mountains, are you talking about, like, getting hiking boots on and, like, climbing a mountain? Are you, like, stretching your way up a mountain with, like, a rope around your waist? That's, well, there would be a lot more of that when you're climbing one of the 8,000 meter peaks. I mean, you start in the lowlands in your hiking boots, and then you have a support group, and then as you get farther up the hill, you, you then you're in the snow, and then you're in crampons, and there's different places where there's sometimes it's rock and sometimes ice and snow. And, and I haven't done a lot of that in the last few years. I've been too busy. I've done that around here on the 14,000 foot peaks around Colorado. And I've guided that. Um, but the 8,000 meter peaks with the lack of oxygen is a whole nother ball game. And the, each mountain like has its own weather. I mean, the weather can come in. You have to pay so much attention, but you, yeah, it's with, you are almost always connected by rope to the other person, the other people on your team. You keep your eye on each other. It's great team building. Mm. it um, sounds amazing and it sounds like an adventure i probably will never be on but i cannot <laughs> wait to hear about it from you and how, hear about your experience <laughs> i i hope i can pull it off and chris said i could go with him he's the one gail i told you about that um he teaches leadership by taking people like climbing mm-hmm. kilimanjaro and he teaches at the wharton school and um he has a whole leadership thing that he does and he's so he lives here part-time and he's become a mm-hmm. good friend and a client and so it's like, I want to go climb a mountain with you. That's my goal. Well, you do a lot of really exciting things like helicopter skiing too, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, super fun. <laughs> You're crazy. <laughs> is there a specific are, term for that? Those are my sanity is it, savers. <laughs> is there a specific term for that? Or is it just helicopter skiing? Or mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But that's usually you're out in the world. Like the last time I went was a couple of years ago in Alaska and they take you up to the huge peaks and they just take you in a helicopter and drop you off at the top and you ski down and everybody gets there and then he takes you back up and you ski down. Have you ever been caught in an avalanche? Um, no, I'm super careful about being in avalanche territory. When I was working on the ski patrol, I learned so much about it um, and I'm very cautious. I've been caught in like little snow sloughs that didn't amount to anything, but that I learned huge respect for the mountains and snow. And they say the longer you work on a ski patroller, uh, as a ski patroller, the higher the risk is of you getting hurt, either in an avalanche or doing snow safety work when you're throwing bombs. That was the part I missed the most when I left, but that was a long time ago. (laughs) 
Well, you, you have, still have plenty of time. <laughs> I do. Would you share with us a little bit about your work in Africa? Sure. So I got started, um, a client wanted to build, he had helped, he'd financed, actually it was the client's fiance. And the fiance had funded a orphanage in Ecuador and he wanted to do another one. And I had a trip planned to go to Africa. So I said, well, let's do an orphanage in Africa. So I did all the groundwork and I went over to Zimbabwe and we were going to try to build an orphanage in Zimbabwe. And it ended up being just like so expensive and the inflation was so out of control. It was like 6,000%. But that didn't happen. So I was just hell-bent on finding another project. And I got introduced to this group in Rwanda. So I've been working with them for probably 12 years. And we created this little orphanage and now it's in school. And so I did the architecture and helped get the buildings built. I came up with a kind of a help with a sustainability plan so we could try to create things that will financially help run the place. So now, and Florian is now on the ground there still, but we have orchards and we have livestock and the, the orphanage for the government had to close, but we're turning it into a school and trying to make it a community center. And it's just, it's just been amazing. And so being over there, working with that crew, I met the, the coach for the national cycling team of Rwanda, which 10 years ago was just really getting started 12 years ago. And they created a six-day stage race like they have the Tour de France. This group has just built this amazing bike racing team. And it's had such an impact on the young people of Rwanda and really helped with the, the hope there because of the, after being through the genocide, the whole country just needed something. So these young people kind of became the ambassadors. And now the team has expanded to Ethiopia and Eritrea. So it's Team Africa Rising. And that's been a really empowering thing to be a part of. I have a very small part in that, but I got to go over and ride with the, the team a few times and um, I'm just kind of support to them. But it's it's so cool to see the amazing positive impact that has on, on countries. I love it. You've done a lot of really amazing things. What are you most proud of in your life? Um, wow, that's a big question, Gail. <laughs> uh, <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, probably a lot of that, that sort of work, I'm proud of that, mm-hmm. that I've done that because it does have an impact. And even if I don't have an orphanage that's 5,000 kids, I've helped the ones that are in this little, this little group. And mm-hmm. the, the ripple effect of what the bike team has done for Rwanda and now Ethiopia and Eritrea, just being a small part of that has been very satisfying. I think I'm also proud of myself for, for doing the architecture thing and, and creating this business from scratch and not, not really having any formal education or support, just doing it. Yeah. Probably both. Those are two big things. Well, I think you've done so many inspiring things. And I know you inspire me. I I think it's amazing to, you know, I love working with all the people I work with. And yet, um, when I see how much you have done, which is not the norm, you've just really broken the mold. And I hope you can appreciate and give yourself a little credit for all that hard work you've done. Thanks, Gail. Well, a lot of it has come from my inspiration of from you. Oh, you're sweet. You're trailblazer too. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you and Aaron recreating it. yourselves and creating this amazing company and being helped. So helpful to all of us. It's oh, so inspiring. Oh, thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, Kim, it's been so great uh, getting to chat with you today. And do you have a few things that you'd like to leave with our listeners um, to take back to their businesses and their, and their lives? Sure. Um, I think that things that I've learned the most in the last year or so that have really had a big impact on my life, both professionally and personally, 
would be self-improvement. One of my mentors said that you need to spend 10% of your income on improving yourself. And that's a great investment in yourself. So books, classes, retreats, things like that to just continue your own self-growth is a huge thing because all of us, as as we learn things and go through life, there's so much more to learn. And when we start applying those things, we can see progress. The second thing would be to have a big vision. Don't have a mediocre vision, have a big vision. And then when you have a big vision and a big dream, you have to have a great team. And so as you continue your own self-improvement, then you can bring your team along and help them. So that's another really big thing is a big vision and a great team. And then the last thing I think that's super critical, and I know a lot of people that come across super confident, oftentimes struggle on the inside and nobody realizes that. But I think what we all need to remember, including myself especially, is to believe in yourself. Really believe in your own abilities and your strengths and that you can do it. Because if you can dream it up in your mind, you can start taking steps to make things happen. So that's, that would be the third one, to really believe in yourself. Great. Well, thank you for joining us today. Uh, Good luck out on the mountains. I know we've got some great snow (laughs) happening in Colorado right now. Yeah. And uh, I hope that we certainly can get together with you soon to have that glass of wine and catch up fireside. That'd be great. That would be awesome. Thank you so much for inviting me to join you ladies today on this. Well, it's our pleasure. Thank you. Be sure to check out Kim's beautiful work at KimRaymondArchitects.com and follow Kim on Instagram and Facebook at KimRaymondArchitects. We hope to see you at High Point Market in June. We'll be there and we cannot wait to see our creative community. If you haven't registered for market yet, do it. Go to highpointmarket.org slash register. For every registered buyer for the June High Point Market, you're going to get a free PDF of Gail's brand new book that just released business breakthrough. Be sure to follow High Point Market on Instagram as well at High Point Market. You won't want to miss our episode next week with Vicki Serrini. She's the founder and principal of Southern Studio located in Cary, North Carolina.